Oxford Centre for Triple Value Healthcare, otherwise known as 3V, scans over 30 journals seeking out important papers on value. To save you time, 3V assesses this research to identify the implications for value-based healthcare and summarizes them on our blogs and in our podcasts. Hello, I'm Joe Mohannes and today I'm talking about biases in priority setting. We know that healthcare resource use rises year on year, but what we don't often appreciate is the reason for this. People often think that uh, demographic growth, ageing and more people, is the main reason or potentially inflation of healthcare costs. But actually, when you look at the data, about two-thirds of it is actually down to what people have described as the growth in intensity of clinical practice and innovation. What that really means is doing more stuff. That is doing more treatments and more tests. And is this high-value care or low-value care? Priority setting is a process that's been used by policymakers to try and reduce the volume of low-value care. By reducing the volume of low-value care, it means there's the potential to invest more in high-value care. But as the author argues, that these policies often don't work. Often the priority setting process does not result in a change of clinical practice. So he starts to try and work out why this is. Uh, An example that's used in the paper, which I think is a good one, is looking at MRI scanning of backs. We know that there is a a benefit to certain patients to have an MRI scan of their back, and that results in a better outcome. But we also know that the increase in volume of MRI scanning for lower backs, especially for non-specific back pain, has not resulted in much of a change of outcomes and therefore is quite low value care. So the question really is, is why when we often know this information, does the health system and individual clinicians persist in in creating and developing low value healthcare? In this paper, the author explores explanations for this. He looks at rational explanations such as the evidence has changed or there are new um, guidelines that have come out but he also dismisses this and suggests that a lot of the explanations for priority setting failing is to do with irrational explanations. He looks at a concept known as cognitive bias which is essentially human beings as individuals having a hidden bias to behave in a certain way. This bias affects people as a macro level, as a system, national level, and also a meso, which is more of a a local area, or a micro level, which is individual clinical behaviour. The paper runs through a number of examples of types of biases, and a number of them are very useful and interesting. And particularly with our example, they can help understand why a particular clinician behaves in a certain way. So one example is the identifiability and singularity effect. This is the concept that even though a clinician knows the guidelines and the evidence base, he will often favour the person that's sitting in front of him for very human and obvious reasons and deliver care which is not what he would have done otherwise. And this uh, it means that the patient in front of somebody is actually favoured over the patients who aren't in front of somebody. 
Another example is failure embarrassment. This is the idea that if you've been delivering a certain operation or procedure for many years, to admit this doesn't work is, is not particularly palatable. So if somebody has been scanning backs and operating on backs and found that the outcomes aren't particularly successful, it's quite difficult for that clinician to admit that this doesn't work and change their practice. Another example is to known as extension bias. So if we know that scanning people who have particularly neurological problems with their lower backs is actually effective, then if we extend this to a wider population, this actually starts to create less benefit and potentially more harm. Another example is uh, boys and toys. This, this term is used to suggest that if that people, for you know, very normal reasons, like having new stuff, new, if you have new stuff, then often you tend to want to use it. And this is not particularly um, odd, but it is slightly irrational, and it's often a hidden bias that people don't understand. The author argues that to be able to address some of these problems, the first thing you need to do is make them transparent and obvious. And this is particularly important when we look at value-based value healthcare, because if we continue to increase the resource use on low-value healthcare, then what will happen is that there'll be less resource for people needing high-value healthcare. Again, the example of, of scanning backs, if we have a limited amount of resource that's used for back scanning, and we start favouring people for the wrong reasons, then the waiting list for people who really do need the treatment, that is a high value care, will be extended. And this, this worsens inequity, which is really what we're all trying to reduce. So this paper gives us a good basis for looking at why we continue to adopt low value healthcare and also starts to give us some interesting understanding of the reasons for this and what we can do about it. If you want to stay informed about important developments in value-based healthcare, you can subscribe by joining our mailing list at www.3vh.org.